Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on the Circle, coming hot off the heels of a tremendous Trump victory in the Iowa primaries, heading into New Hampshire this Tuesday, where he promises a resounding lead. It seems all tied up in favor of the former president. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch my podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. WIBC.com uh, and feel free to hop in the chats while we're streaming live on the YouTube machine. Oh, producer Jack, by the way, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and he's doing the things to make the show function. We appreciate your hard work, sir. So off to a strong start, like I said, President Trump winning resoundingly in uh, Iowa primaries, 51%. Now, it's interesting to think that less than 100,000 people are ultimately going to help determine the victor of the Republican primaries, but that's how our system is structured, and it's already giving him a boost in New Hampshire, much to the dismay of people who have criticized President Trump, like uh, Republican pollster Frank Lutz, who now has to admit the favor is on the side of the former president. If you had to bet $150,000 on who's going to win in November, who would you bet on? I never dreamed that I would say this, but I would bet on Trump. I never, I thought it was done. I thought it was over. You don't come back from an impeachment. You don't come back from... January 6th, you don't come back from any of this, but he's come back. The guy's a survivor, and his opponent is having so much trouble. The Teflon drawn strikes once again. I don't know what to say. Obviously, I'm, I, I myself included, have criticisms of the former president's policies, especially his profligate spending. He was by no means a conservative government spender in that regard. Uh, he helped create the inflation crisis that is burning us today, um, you know, among many other things. But the American people have the right to make the decision who they believe is the most adequate leader for the Republican Party. And right now, All indicators seem to be that is Donald Trump. Of course, Nikki Haley can't believe it either. And she thinks now it's a two-person race between her and Trump, even though she came in third. So this soundbite just sounded quite silly. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, can safely say tonight Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Am I so out of touch? No, 
It's the children who are wrong. I mean, clearly she's got some kind of disconnect with reality. Now she's doing better in the New Hampshire polls. But that could be the East Coast Republican influence because we found out this week, thanks to an interview on the Neil Cavuto show with uh, Democrat donor Andy Sabin, that Democrats are throwing in their support for Nikki Haley. So could that play a role in her uh, supposed popularity towards the East? coast of the United States. Andy Sabin joins us right now, a big donor for Nikki Haley. Andy, very good to have you. Uh, The numbers certainly indicate that it's not hurt her fundraising, I believe, in the latest quarter. uh, She raised $24 million, which is double what she raised in the quarter before, which was double what she had raised in the quarter before that. So the money train is still flowing and going. Um, Are you worried, though? Thank you, Neil, for having me, and Happy New Year. I didn't... uh, We actually have a large fundraiser on the 30th of January at a major apartment in uh, New York City where we're raising a tremendous amount of money. Believe it or not, a number of it coming from uh, Democrats. When you say a major apartment in New York City, whose apartment? Ah. I can't tell you. I, I'm sorry. I, I just uh, I wish I could tell you. you. Might, I maybe, can't. maybe you could uh, whisper it to me now, just between you and me. Well, I, all I could tell you is one of the <laughs> biggest Democrats is one of my best friends who you wouldn't okay. believe who's never voted for a Republican is a co-host of this benefit. As if anyone needed more reason not to support Nikki Haley, there you go. She wants to unmask people's private communication on social media by linking your government identification with what you do on the internet. Hmm, that's frightening. Uh, She's obviously a neocon and wants to bomb the world, and she's popular with Democrats. There are multiple reasons not to support Nikki Haley, an utter disaster. Now, Ron DeSantis, I think a much better alternative, but the people seem to be coalescing around Donald Trump, who maintains a 17% lead in the polls in New Hampshire as we speak. And this is just driving liberals crazy. Joe Biden himself speechless. He's trying to dismiss the reality of the situation. And like Nikki Haley saying, Iowa means nothing. It means nothing. And what Iowa means to you, to your re-election race? Well, I don't think Iowa means anything. The president got 50-some thousand votes, the lowest number of votes anybody's won got. You know, uh, this idea that's been a runaway. You have to get out of denial. I've had failure in my life. But one thing I'm not in is denial. You're in denial. I'm not in denial. Without a doubt, she's in denial. There's so many things wrong, and yet everybody's in denial. Stop being in denial! So right now, Joe Biden is standing on the train tracks like a deer with the headlights, and he's looking at the Trump train, chugga, 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 coming right at him. And the Democrats are short on time to come up with an alternative. I don't think they will. I think they're sticking it out with Joe Biden. And I think that, yes, it is likely Trump will win the presidency once again due to the enormous failures of the president and Democrats who are denying reality and then blaming the American people, sometimes with quite a racist bent. And I'm referring to The View's own Joy Reid, who is is saying that, well, trying to explain Iowa as well. It's overrepresented by white Christians. 
Hmm. You know, I feel like the important sort of data point, and, and you know, Steve talks about it a lot. He's he's going to probably talk about it a little more tonight. Is that these, these are white Christians? Ooh. That this is a state that is overrepresented overrepresented by white Christians that are going to participate Particularly in these tonight, caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today earlier today reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa, and this is a hyper evangelical st white state. And he said the following to me: Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following, because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following, they see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it back to them. All the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out or mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a is a fraudulent American. I, uh, I think I can smell shite. <laughs> yes, I can definitely smell shite. <laughs> So let's try and turn the tables around for Joy Reid there and apply the same logic to a different part of the country. Let's say Indianapolis, for example. Now, did you know African-Americans have a three times overrepresentation here in the city compared to the average in the state? I think it's something like 30% of the city demographically are African-Americans compared to 10% in the rest of the state. Now, does that mean that just because those voters are so-called overrepresented in a particular area that their votes don't count or that their representation doesn't matter? No. I would, of course, never suggest such a thing, which is why it's so repugnant for Joy Reid to point the finger at white evangelicals and say that this supposed overrepresentation is a problem. Like, no, their votes count. Those were the people who showed up, who decided to participate, and you can whine and moan, bitch and moan and complain about it all you want, but that's not the problem here. And the more Democrats use that kind of rhetoric to attempt to uh, uh, oppose Donald Trump, I think the more Americans will flock to support him because that is absolutely beyond the pale. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Catch my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and stay tuned in the next segment as Democrats continue to flounder. They're attempting to point the finger at Republicans for the failures on the border, which is a preposterous claim, but you'll hear Corrine Jean-Pierre oh, announce that uh, very proposition coming up next. Stay tuned. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where the situation on the southern border continues to disintegrate as the administration refuses to change course, even 
as the immigration issue develops into a central focus of the 2024 election cycle. Thanks for tuning in. You can find my podcasts on WIBC.com. And thanks to producer Jack, who's pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Corrine Jean-Pierre attempting to shift the blame for the deteriorating condition on the southern border to Republicans and claiming that they somehow want to defund the border agency, which is untrue. Even liberal media outlets like the Washington Post had to rate the claim as objectively false, which it absolutely is. The administration performing some funny, uh, uh, funny math to achieve their uh, false narrative and Corrine Jean-Pierre towing the line in the latest press conference. Um, why are you repeating this false claim that Republicans voted to reduce the number of Border Patrol agents, even though the Washington Post gave the administration three Pinocchios for that? So we don't believe it's a false claim? Alternative facts to that. Uh, our statements were very direct here. Uh, last year, House GOP voted, uh, voted, and not only did they vote for it, but they touted it. They touted their Limit, Save, Grow Act. That's the act. Well, let me, that. And they vowed they, that it would they never limit, affect they, border they, control. They, they voted for it and touted it, right? This is an act. And this would have forced the elimination of 2,000 border patrol agents. That's what this act that they touted, that they voted for uh, in the House. Uh, so that was their proposal, and and that was so what they, they clearly, voted for back in, in May. They, they clearly stated at that time that border patrol, um, also veterans benefits and entitlements would never be impacted by any of the reductions. And also, the bill never had any appropriations in it. So this claim that you guys are rolling out, you know, it's the White House applying White House math to a bill that never had any appropriations. And moreover, the administration or the uh, members in Congress who, you know, put this together vowed that it wouldn't affect policing. So the reason I, I ask is because it's just, you know, to, to voters, don't you think they know the difference between, you know, what is a, a truthful statement and what is spin? And is it in, insulting to them at all to keep saying it when it was, it's just not true? <laughs> be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> now, one thing I'll say is somebody in the press conference needed to put their phone on mute. That was pretty rude for it to keep going off in the middle of an exchange between the press and the press secretary. But other than that, I also wanted to point out that it's absolutely ridiculous to try and blame Republicans for diminishing the capacity of the border security when the bill didn't even pass. And the problem predated that particular proposal. So, Corrine Jean-Pierre is deflecting in a way that, yes, absolutely diminishes the credibility and confidence the American people have in the administration as well it should. And we can see the effect that it's having on communities as they cross the border 10,000 a day um, in, in some cases, reaching record highs, and then being forced to sideline local community children in order to provide their care. And I'm referring, of course, to a uh, uh, Brooklyn high school where principals at her wit's end uh, because parents are criticizing her for the decision she was likely pressured into by the administration for moving the children to remote learning in order to accommodate migrants moving into the high school uh, because there were torrential downpours at their uh, facility and they had to take shelter from the rain. Naturally, that meant that uh, children would do remote learning so they could take shelter in the school because, of course, this is the ultimate, like, 
downstream effect of the policy decisions and the negligent open border policy that liberals have maintained throughout this administration. And I understand the frustration of the principal, but perhaps I would suggest her outrage is misplaced, not at parents who want accountability for their children's well-being, but rather at the administration and their negligent policy decisions, which have forced her to uh, house these migrants, even temporarily. I see some of the comments. I appreciate you voicing your opinions. Someone wrote that I should care for my own kids. Please know me. Please come in two weeks back on the Zoom when we have it again. Please know that I put your kids first. I, I do what I do because I care about children. And I find it offensive that people are putting things on that chat. How dare you? I don't understand how people who never come on a Zoom like this could take an opportunity like this evening to throw mud. This is for one night. One night. No, no, this, this whole thing, all of this, it's all about me. So it's not about her and her frustration and parents. It's about the ultimate responsibility of the administration. So she didn't handle that appropriately, but I I do understand the pressure that she must be under because of the influx of migrants that the Biden administration has invited and continues to by funding them, which Karine Jean-Pierre was bragging about, providing extra funding to these migrants to the tune of billions of dollars. I heard you say this very recently about how those actions that are being taken uh, by Republican leaders, leadership uh, is inhumane uh, and it's demoralizing and it doesn't it doesn't lead to the safety uh, of, uh, of communities here. Uh, and so we've called that out and we'll continue to do that. And I've spoke to this already, but I'll, I'll lay it out a little bit more during the, the last year, uh, what our administration was able to do it, it, in, corrob- in corroboration with states and cities across the country. We launched this one one uh, one stop shop clinics to help eligible uh, non-citizens get working permits uh, and decompress the res- respective shelter system. That was something that that uh, uh, that local leaders and state leaders asked for. And so we were able to obviously work in collaboration and getting that done uh, to date. These clinics have, have served more than 10,000 people. Uh, so they've been effective. Uh, and so and another thing that we've heard us <laughs> speak to is that we provided more than one billion dollars uh, in grant funding for jurisdictions uh, hosting recently uh, arrived migrants. So that's been important work permits that the majority of the migrants chose not to even make an application for and she's bragging about 10,000 migrants having been served by this clinic more than a billion dollars of funding provided 10,000 migrants that barely covers one day's worth of influx from the southern border which should illustrate the magnitude of the situation and the absent-mindedness of Democrats who continue to invite this by providing them funding it's not just for the community clinics it's also for things like free rent in Maine, not for one month or even two, two years of free rent. And now free rent for some migrants in Maine. Taxpayers there are footing the bill for new apartments built specifically for these newly arrived border crossers. Not only a free roof over their heads, they have at least, wait for it, two years worth of rent paid for. I'd like an ice cream about this high. Okay. 
coming right up. What do I owe you? Nothing. It's for free. Free? Naturally, you're going to have an influx when you offer limitless funding and constant goodies. What is this? What is this nonsense? And Democrats, again, trying to blame Republicans and saying that it's racist to send migrants to African-American majority cities, which misframes and misrepresents the issue, but I'll I'll go ahead and let uh, Representative uh, uh, Jasmine Crockett uh, tell you about how racist it is to send migrants to African-American controlled cities. Republicans are yelling that states don't have the tools to help with migrants, but rather than work with Democrats, Republicans are targeting communities of color and Democratic cities like Chicago, New York, and Philadelphia. And while they say that it's about Democrat-run cities, I do want to point out another similarity that they have. These are cities that are run by African-Americans. So while I know that they love to pretend as if there are no racial undertones, it is just striking to me. Oh no, what, what happened? What ha- oh no, how terrible, that's just, that's just awful, how terrible, oh no. Completely misrepresents the issue because it's not about uh, African-American run cities, it's not about even Democrat run cities, it's very specifically about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities which not in the, so, uh, in the not so distant past of like 2016 were standing in virtue signaling about how they would never uh, report illegal migrants that came to their doorstep onto border enforcement, no, they would shelter them and provide for them. Uh, but meanwhile, they expected Texas to primarily shoulder the burden of those migrants who were crossing the southern border. And finally, look, they said that they've had enough. And finally, these liberal sanctuary cities have to have a taste of their own medicine and experience the repercussion of their own negligent policy decisions. That's what's going on. It's not about racism, no matter what Representative Crockett would like to have you believe. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Up next, Hat Tricks with Hatcher. And boy, we've got a doozy. Tons of ridiculous clips you don't want to miss out on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back this week to the award-winning segment where I present the most absurd highlights from this week in news. And boy, will this edition be a special treat as you hear Canadian police officers care more about the rights of criminals than victims of crime and a frightening foreshadowing of things to come here in America. You'll also hear John Kerry hilariously recoil under justified scrutiny of his gas-guzzling, high-flying, globe-trotting annual event to scold the world for their carbon footprint. We've got those clips and so much more. Don't miss a moment of this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. 
The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Jack. Pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with the Canadian police who, I can't believe it, hilariously have more concern for the privacy of criminals than for the victims of theft from these porch pirates who are coming up on your private property, taking your stuff, running off with it, and then the Canadian police have the audacity to say that they have the right to privacy on your property, which is an absurd legal claim. You cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember that in Canada we have a presumption of innocence and posting that picture could be a violation of private life. Instead, he says if anything is stolen, call 911. If you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, then call the police, give the proof to the police, and then we'll do the the investigation. We'll bring that person to justice. I literally don't know how you can expect to have any level of privacy when you're entering somebody else's property. Like any expectation of anonymity should go out the window. You're in somebody else's house or on their porch at the very least. So the fact that you can't or shouldn't in the eyes of Canadian law post these images publicly to shame the porch pirates, I think is absurd. And it sounds like something that's coming down the pike here in America because, I mean, you can reframe that and imagine Ryan Mears also saying something quite similar because he too believes in the rights of criminals more than the uh, uh, people that the the law is supposed to protect, which is absurd, but that's that's kind of where we're, we're at. Um, also, another absurdism, Joe Biden at an event in, I believe it was North Carolina, claimed to take a photo with somebody who wasn't even there. Now, he corrected himself mid-sentence in what seemed like a moment straight out of a sitcom. You'll hear the laugh track in the background, and I promise you, although I like to pepper uh, uh, little enhancements uh, to to the sound bites, I didn't add the laugh track. That was just the audience reacting to Joe Biden's absent-mindedness as he then corrected himself. Oh, yeah, well, I forgot. I didn't take a photo with her because she's in a different part of the country. Appreciate it very much. I also want to mention Congressman Deborah Ross. Where's Deborah? This year, I just had my picture taken with her. That's probably why she left. No, all kidding to stop. Anyway, you, you can, oh, she couldn't be here, actually. That's not true. I got it mixed up. And she has, you know, she fights very hard for the people of this district, and she's up in Washington right now. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. (laughs) This guy is falling apart at the seams. He doesn't know where he is, what he's talking about, who he's met. He the days are running together. He looks tired. He's living up to that nickname, Sleepy Joe, quite well. And yes, under those circumstances, I say Donald Trump stands a pretty good chance of defeating the president, which inspires very little confidence in the American people. Um, Also, the clowns in the administration that he appoints, including John Kerry, who was jet-setting, globetrotting around the world, hopping off to the Davros meeting for the World Economic Forum so he could scold you for having an uh, outsized 
largest carbon footprint, even though he likes to fly uh, on private jets. And it's always interesting that the finger is pointed at the West, at America, at Europe, but never... India, never China, the countries which demonstrably, according to their own metrics and measurements, are belching out carbon by the metric ton, but it's the expectation of America to limit their industrial output. And of course, John Kerry, uh, oblivious to the hypocrisy of him and these you know, so-called world leaders, jet-setting and consuming far more carbon uh, fuel, that are, uh, are belching out more carbon uh, than, than most individuals would in their lifetimes. And he doesn't see the hypocrisy of that when he's pointing the finger at you and expecting you to limit your activity and ease of travel and cut back on you know, like uh, your uh, fuel consumption for your car while he's on a jet airliner. What's the carbon footprint of these events every single year that you come here? You think it's worth it? That's a stupid question. Why do you think you're more important? Your carbon footprint doesn't matter, but everybody else around the world... Nobody ever suggested that. <laughs> Don't make up stupid questions. You, you being here suggests that. Make up a stupid question. Sad. Very sad. Sad. He doesn't like accountability there, and neither does Democrat Fannie Willis, who took to the podium of her local church to deflect personal responsibility and claim that you can't expect perfection from a black woman after all. We all stumble, and uh, her included, so she expects some grace. This for uh, cavorting about with the prosecutor in the Trump case and then paying for flights that they shared, which has all of the appearance of impropriety and the partisanship of the Justice Department there in the state of Georgia. But, of course, you can't expect her to take responsibility because she's just a black woman, and that's not me saying it. That's her own words from the pulpit at her local church. All the glory I receive, it's his grace, not a perfect me. We are at a time in history, people. Hear me on this. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do it. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Stumbling all the way. No, no, no. Jesus' will doesn't get you a get-out-of-jail-free card here, lady. And that really bugs me when people try to use the veneer of scriptural authority to deflect from responsibility for their actions. No. It's one of the reasons why religion tires me, so I, I rejected that after I left the cult of Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm an atheist. Of course, you know, you can have your beliefs, and we all function here in this free society. But that really just grinds my gears, ladies and gentlemen, when uh, Fannie Willis tries to deflect from rightful criticism of her corruption and then using the veneer of the uh, scripture as a, a shield to do so. Utterly preposterous, as is, and I know you're going to get mad at me when I point this out, Donald Trump claiming that CNN and what was it, NBC need to have their licenses revoked because they wouldn't cover his victory speech at Iowa. And before you, you get too 
upset. Let's just imagine for a moment if Joe Biden were to suggest yanking the uh, license uh, for broadcast for Fox News or otherwise uh, inhibiting the uh, ability for the jur- journalism to hold the Biden crime family to account like that wouldn't fly. So I don't think we should give Donald Trump a pass when he makes statements like this. And oh, you're probably oh, well, he's joking. He's joking. Well, you know, maybe Joe Biden would be joking about that, too. But we'd absolutely take it seriously. Here was Donald Trump making the suggestion. It was amazing. NBC and CNN refused to air my victory speech. Think of it because they are crooked. They're dishonest. And frankly, they should have their licenses or whatever they have taken away. They put on they put on Nikki Haley. She came in third. A distant third, like I mean a distant third, and they put on Ronda Sanctimonious, who came in a boring second. Why are you the way that you are? I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. And this is why I tend to take uh, the suggestion of Ron DeSantis seriously when he says, look, if Donald Trump is your chosen representative uh, for the Republican Party going into the 2024 election, it's going to mire the party in his constant personal conflicts and also legal challenges. And what does it look like when the president of the United States, or at least a candidate for the president of the United States, is threatening to silence journalists that he doesn't believe adequately Cover him. That's it's just unacceptable, and I know I know that upsets you, but I thought it merits uh, merited consideration. Finally, I wanted to end the segment with a fascinating drop from Representative Anna Paulina Luna, who's discussing interdimensional beings in the Congress, and she wants to get to the bottom of it because the truth, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is out there. I think it's incredibly important to listen to the specific words that Grush uses. You know, Grush never said extraterrestrial or alien. He said interdimensional. It has become apparent that there is a movement, whether it's within the intelligence community or not, to prevent us from finding out more information on this. Luna would not expand when asked what interdimensional meant, whether this was something which could bend time and space. Other lawmakers accused the government of deliberately trying to keep Congress in the dark. They send us bureaucrats who don't know on purpose. I'll put it that way. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. I'll say this, if interdimensional beings ever did manage to find their way to planet Earth, they would surely check their scanner and rapidly conclude there's no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we'll tell you about uh, Boeing's diversity quotas and speculate could they have contributed to the failure of the uh, max 7 jet airline door as it was ripped apart 16,000 feet in the sky we'll talk about it coming up next so stay tuned This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.
so many times. I'll tell you what, Producer Jack, I certainly do not plan on leaving on a jet plane anytime soon after the Alaska Airlines scary Jet Max 7 jet it's did. That freaked me out, man. Do you, do you ever think about flying? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. usually not like too scared of flying, but like I. But after that, on the news and. You know, you, you have to second guess it. It would be kind of like wanting to go on a submarine right after the Titanic submarine oh, collapsed. Like, um, you know, it, it, it makes you second guess that decision. Like, deep water is like one of my biggest fears for some reason. As you should, because now the FAA and Boeing are pushing to increase diversity amongst their hires, including the the extremely like mentally and physically disabled which i'm 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 sorry that doesn't sound like a good idea for people to be building planes this is a report from Fox News. Boeing, you know, they have the, the doors have fallen off the planes, but at least, you know, they're meeting their diversity goals, I guess, in Boeing, because they say our goal was to achieve diverse interview slates for at least 90% of managers and executives in their openings, and they bragged that they exceeded that target, with 92% of interview slates being diverse, resulting in 47% diverse hires at the management and executive levels. Now, Horace, we can't link the diversity efforts to what happened and you know that would you know take an exhaustive investigation but it's worth asking at this point is excellence what we need in airline operation or is diversity the goal here like zoids man this is really spooky yeah this doesn't feel safe let's get out of here this was an idea that we were toying around on the show with just, la I think it was last week when we were talking about the Alaska Airlines incident and the door getting ripped off the plane and speculating about how the diversity quotas of Boeing may be impacting the quality control of their plane manufacturing. You need the highest levels of excellence when you're making complex equipment like that. And what, you know, when I'm talking about like the extremely mentally disabled, including people with with, like severe psychological disorders and like yes look obviously I think those people have a right to be employed and have you know have a job and become productive members of society as well just maybe not building jets does that make me a mean person Jack I, I hope it doesn't no no you're not a mean person <laughs> it doesn't I mean I am a mean person but not necessarily just about that <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to Saturday Saturday night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more coming up at hour two of the program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. 
where in this hour we'll be discussing the ongoing deception of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. We've got more information that's come to light this week from the 911 call. We'll also be talking about your opportunity. You're telling me there's a chance to defeat the onerous implementation of the blue line, thwarting its mutilation of Washington Street in Indianapolis because of a new bill that is working its way through the legislature. Also, stay tuned because in the next segment, I'm going to have friend of the show, Rob Kendall, uh, come into the studio and we're going to talk about the uh, resignation of Jim Snap, what that means for the community of Brownsburg, and more importantly, what it means for the future of your children. Don't miss that. Also, in this uh, this hour, we'll talk about uh, uh, the failure of electric vehicles in the cold snap, the administration running deflection, and AI George Carlin, which is as gross as it sounds. So stay tuned for all that and more. If you missed the podcast or missed any portion of the show, you can find the podcast uploaded to Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm and WIBC.com. Wanted to begin with uh, Fox News, or I'm sorry, uh, with a, a report that we did cover on Fox News um, regarding Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Turns out the deception was in intentional, which we already knew. But this is the problem here, because it's not that he had to seek treatment or required health care. We live in a very advanced society that has uh, some of the best health care providers in the world at our disposal. So it's not that he had to be treated. It's the intentional deception and the fact that he kept this information from the White House and from members of his own staff, including the deputy uh, defense secretary who was kept in the dark regarding why he uh, stepped aside and she had to temporarily uh, take up the duties of the defense secretary. Now we know from an aide that this was a call to uh, the Fairfax 911. They wanted to keep this on the DL, on the down low, and prevent people from finding out he was taken to the hospital. This was an intentional deception. Fairfax County 911, where is your emergency? Uh, yes, ma'am. It is, so my name is and I work for and I am requesting an ambulance to be taken to Aiden Court. Okay, and that looks like it's a single family home, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and it looks and like that's a um, residence, is that correct? That, that's correct. Okay. And I, can, I, can I ask, but can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Um, we're trying to mm-hmm. remain a, a little subtle. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off, uh, but they're required by law to run with them with the main streets, like if they're on Georgetown Pike or Leesburg Pike. Um, okay. the, the primary roads they have to by law. But um, okay. I've, I've gone in and, and then, noted that, though, in the, in the, in the call. <laughs> oh, my. So they wanted to prevent this information from leaking out and making the request of emergency services to just, you know, go ahead and arrive with the lights turned off. So it's not that he required treatment. It is very much about the intentional deception that was uh, executed by the defense secretary and those closest to him, which demands accountability and responsibility, something the uh, administration is uh, completely allergic to, as we've covered on previous segments in this show and you'll hear John Kirby again saying that uh, he doesn't think that the defense secretary or anyone in uh, the defense department needs to be held accountable here. 
Does the president believe that there ought to be any consequences for any DOD officials who knew about the condition of Secretary Austin but did not report that information? To, that's going to be up to Pentagon leadership to decide. Well, what does the president believe? I mean, he's the commander. The president believes that Secretary Austin should get the appropriate care that he needs to get better so he can get back at work at the Pentagon. He believes we ought to learn from this, uh, both in terms of notification and about transparency to the American people. This is why so few people have confidence in the, uh, the president of the United States or anyone in his administration because of this complete lack of transparency. And if they're willing to be dishonest to each other, imagine how easy it is for them to be dishonest with you and for them to lack transparency with you. So that's what's at play here. That's why this is an enormous scandal. And it's a peek behind the curtain of how utterly in chaos the administration is when they can't even keep control of their own cabinet secretaries. This is utterly ridiculous. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. I also wanted to talk about your opportunity to finally defeat the implementation of the blue line, which would completely upend uh, Washington Street. It would connect the east to the west across Marion County, Implementing dedicated lanes and restricting travel on one of the central arteries and thoroughfares of the city. Obviously, this would be disastrous for motorists and taxpayers as well, considering how poorly implemented the red line has been. You know, here's a crazy thought. Why don't we just get the red line and now the purple line, since it's about to be finished, to up to functional capacity, meeting expectations, and uh, at least maintain a self-sufficient ridership level before we begin expanding services and adding these multi-million dollar projects like the Blue Line promises to be. Let's not also forget about the uh, debacle of the electric uh, buses, which were breaking down in the bitter cold, something that we'll talk about later in the show as well regarding electric vehicles. They needed extra infrastructure to be installed, and then now they're just using hybrids anyway because the original proposal was short-sighted and an unable to be executed. So no, this is not something that we should implement. And fortunately, the legislature is considering SB 52. It's being uh, sponsored by representative. I had his name here. Oh, oh, so yeah. Senator Aaron Freeman, the bill's author, um, would not allow dedicated lanes to be uh, uh, constructed in the city of Indianapolis for at least the next five years. So that would completely thwart the implementation of uh, the blue line. There were public comments earlier this week. Lots of people speaking out, especially from Irvington, my uh, neighborhood, uh, speaking out against the implementation of the blue line because they understand the toll it will take on businesses and the fact that it will not serve the broader community of Indianapolis, something that Democrats are dishonestly attempting to suggest that it would accomplish. So I'm all energized about SB 52. Contact your local representative, your state house representative, and tell them to help uh, it advance through the committee and ultimately vote for it if it advances to the floor. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned because up next, 
friend of the show, Rob Kendall's coming in the studio. He's off the rails. And we're going to talk about the resignation surprise announcement this week from Jim Snap, what it means for the community of Brownsburg and potentially for the future of your children here in the Hoosier heartland. Don't miss a moment of Saturday night on The Circle. Stay tuned for that. is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening. Catch my podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM. Due to enormous internal pressures, the Brownsburg School Superintendent Jim Snap abruptly announced his resignation this week, signaling a harbinger of bad things to come. Here to help unpack and untangle what this means for the future of your children is Brownsburg's favorite son, the off-the-rails rambunctious rapscallion Rob Kendall joins the show once again. You get skinnier skinnier and better looking every time I see you, Ethan. I bet women are just throwing their underwear at you like it's going out of style. I'm practically being smothered to death like uh, the lawmaker Draco when he was on the stage. (laughs) I understand. Uh, No, and then by the way, I I know that that was a long-term goal for you and you saw it through and it's the whole new year, new me, new resolution thing people should call you about that because you did a phenomenal job i'm glad i kept it off through the holidays yeah. like that was the tough part yeah. with the sugary hams and yeah. the turkeys and the mashed potatoes oh, and yeah. the gravies like but you know maintain that willpower you've done, sir. You've done great all right yeah so this is wild and we talk about this all the time on our show i talk a lot about brownsburg because i live there but the things that are happening there it's it applies to many many people because our school systems in central Indiana, this is not as big a problem outside of the donut counties, but our school systems in central Indiana, because of the Republican Party allowing school board candidates to run without party affiliation, have been overrun by leftists and maniacs. And you have seen these central Indiana suburban school districts, which are otherwise Republican communities, be just totally overrun with, in many cases, straight up Marxist indoctrination factories. Okay, so you're going to have to explain to me literally, you know, from step one, what's going on with Jim Snap, because I haven't been following this nearly as closely as you have. And then all of a sudden I see surprise news announcements about this guy's resignation. And you've been all over this because, of course, you are the local. Local, yes. you know, local expert. So, so explain to me why he is being seemingly forced out by the school board. What this means for the children? Yeah. So it depends on who you talk to. And look, so Brownsburg for years, Jim Snap has been the superintendent there since I think 2009 or 2010. And he was a guy that really got off on being the most powerful guy in town. And the, the reality is, in these suburban school districts, the superintendent, maybe a mayor, if you, depending on your, your area, but the superintendent is the most powerful person in the community. Because so many, you know this, Ethan, there's so many mommies who they don't, they are totally subservient to whatever the school says because they believe the path through the public school system is their kid's path to success, and they believe whatever bull crap the school system throws it out at them. And, and you know, these things like in Brownsburg, we're the number one school system. What does that even mean? Most people have absolutely no idea. They have no idea the colossal amount of kids that fail inside the number one school system, how they judge that, et cetera. But they... Parents want to feel good about the choices they make, so they puff their chest out and blah, blah, blah. And so superintendents in these suburban school systems largely are Teflon and bulletproof. And Jim Snap's a guy who, 
well-documented on our show, we're not going to be hanging out at the Bellagio anytime together, was kind of a bully, kind of an intimidator, kind of a guy that used to throw his weight around. The problem he ran into, though, is while he was very liberal, he was not radically insane. And the problem is when you get into bed with Marxists and communists and socialists and uber liberal radical leftists, they demand radically insane or they will throw you out at he he resisted some of the radically insane and now he's he's out of a job. So obviously you're foretelling bad things to come. Who do you think they're going to replace him with? Is it right now kind of a amorphous, nebulous concept or do they have a name? Do they have somebody they're going to put forward that you know is going to tout the commie line? Well, the, the, the here's what's interesting. So they're, they, they, if you talk to them, if you could get them on, here's the biggest problem with all this. None of this goes on the record. So you've got a guy who is making, uh, when you put in benefits and everything else, a quarter million dollars a year. He's the face of your school system. You've said all these years, we're number one, and this is great. In the release, by the way, he technically resigned. They, right. It was resign or be fired was what was going down. <laughs> and, but in the press, all these accomplishments he had, and we're the number one school system, but yet they ran him out. It'd be the equivalent of winning Indiana School's version of the Super Bowl every year and then going, we're firing the coach, or the coach is suddenly resigning when he just said in a public meeting, not three weeks before, I want to uh, do this until I'm 65. I mean, he got up in a public meeting and said that. Nobody believes the guy didn't resign by force, and so the school system won't give you any information, and that is totally unacceptable that this is your largest taxing entity. You've got you know hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money that these school systems plow through, and you can't get word one on why they ran the guy out. So it takes people like me who've got you know sources inside the school system <laughs> who've got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And look, the, the you don't know for sure what the plan is, but the fact is you've got four maniacs over there of the five members of the school board. Eric Hilton, who's a teacher's union attorney. You've got Mike Wells, who is his stooge, who has never had an original thought in his life, who will do whatever Hilton says. You've got Jessica Heffern and the school board president and Katie Dixon, who are four legitimate leftist individuals. And this is why people say, oh, I can't believe you're kind of supporting SNAP. I said, I'm not supporting SNAP. I would have fired him a long time ago, but I'm not going to be okay with the guy getting fired if the thing that's coming down next is going to be a lot worse. And there's no doubt whatever those four uh, good time fun gang members are going to do, it ain't going to be better for people who want to get kids out of the indoctrination business. So how did this happen? How did these people get elected to the board and why does the community continue to support them? I've, I assume they've served multiple terms or is this just the, the new wave of uh, fresh elected officials? Well, it's interesting the amount of followers and messages I've had from people going, well, I guess you were right after all these years. I sure didn't see it. And you're like Bruce Willis in uh, Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. Uh, it just happened to ha happen to somebody that you liked. Now you're willing to pay attention, which we welcome people to the, the, the good news. At, you know, at any time, Ethan, it's just like going to church. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to these people are able to hide behind not declaring party affiliation. And everybody knows that Hilton and Heffernan and Dixon and Wells are all Democrats. And when you couple the, the liberals know who the Democrats are, right? I mean, they know who the, the lunatics are. And so when you couple the lunatics with the people who are in often cases deliberately apathetic because they just want to puff their chest out and go, my kid goes to the number one school system or Johnny's on the honor roll in the number one school system. When you couple the coalition that those people can build together because the 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 
purposely or willfully apathetic people don't have to actually look themselves in the mirror and go, I voted for a Democrat. They don't know because those people don't have to declare a party affiliation in order to run for public office. You get this very weird alliance which only exists in school board races i blame the indiana republican party for not fixing the issue yeah that's what i was about to say isn't it fascinating what goes on right under the nose of the indiana republican general assembly in a supposedly deeply red state and then they're gonna completely let the schools go and wave the white flag of surrender i don't understand well isn't it fascinating I'm, i'm constantly amazed by the failure isn't it fascinating i mean and these guys are back at it again with this reading thing that look the republicans have been in charge of education in the state for 20 years and it's a mess it's a mess because they they know what the right thing to do is but they won't do it and now we live in a world where because they're so afraid of the angry red-shirted teachers union people showing up at the state house they won't take on this very easy to solve issue which is i don't want school board elections treated different i want them treated like surveyor and coroner and county council and town council and city council and mayor where you declare i'm a democrat i'm a republican you run in a primary the winners go in the fall all we are saying is treat the school board race like everybody else and deliberately this exemption was carved out for them people like jim Merritt, who who you know will come on our program and will tell you straight to your face who was there when it happened we made a huge mistake it needs to be corrected we need to have partisan school board elections you're listening to Saturday night on The Circle, 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher speaking with the off-the-rails Rob Kendall from The Kendall and Casey Show. Before we end the segment, I also wanted to cover this, and I I heard you cover it on The Kendall and Casey Show. I got one, too. A personal (laughs) letter from Diego Morales, because I of course have an LLC, so he sent an email to my business. I love the way he ends the email, where he says, Businesses like yours are the backbone to the Hoosier economy, and it's my office's job to make sure you continue to succeed. Thank you for investing in our state. Please do not hesitate to call me if I can ever be of service. Here's to a productive 2024. And it like this almost feels like a slap in the face coming fresh off of the uh, Holcomb disastrous state of the state address where he was touting these multi-billion dollar mega corporation out of state investment yes. takeover of our community. And he's like, ah, yay Hoosiers, but leaving small businesses like mine out to dry. And here comes Diego, huzzah. Oh, I'm here to help your business, but I can't tell what Diego has ever done to help my business succeed. He certainly hasn't <laughs> cut, cut my taxes, neither has the Republican General Assembly. And and I just had to pay yeah. that fee. Yeah. I had to send my check in. That was like, what was it, 145 190 bucks, something like that. I, I can't even remember. I just know, like, oh, I got to send it yeah. in. Here, mail the government. Well, it makes you and I already pay taxes, damn it. Mine is due on the 29th of February, if it makes you feel any better. No, I mean, this, we read this letter on the air from Diego, and it's like a third grader wrote it because it weaves in and out of first and third person. It's like he and then I. And it's like, this is the same guy who's crisscrossing the state right now, handing out checks that came from federal taxpayers, federal money, printed money, and he's got his name on the check. Like, the taxpayer's name is not on the check anywhere. It says Diego Morales, Secretary of State, where your name and address would be of who's writing the check. And so I just said, look, my response to this clown would be, first of all, quit. But if we're not going to get that, if you want to help me, how about waiving that fee that you have to pay and I have to pay and every other business owner has to pay every two years for our business entity report, which does nothing to help us. It does nothing to make my business more productive. It does nothing other than 
pay your salary and your loser brother-in-law's six-figure salary who's working for you, who you gave a cushy sweetheart job right out of the gate. That's what that goes to pay. If you want to help people get administrative costs down, get these fees down, you don't want to do that, though, because you don't want to help people. You just want to go around in your taxpayer-funded automobile and puff your chest out and hand out your taxpayer-funded checks and act like they're coming from you. And your taxpayer campaign literature with these emails essentially are. What's the the term for that? I just heard this a few weeks ago. Franking, franking. Is, yes. Yes. Okay. So I had that. Yes. Well, it's it's it, franking, it, and that's exactly what this is. He's sending out campaign literature that's paid for by you and I, touting the success of newly elected Diego Morales. You could also say it's a, another word that starts with an F and ends with ing, but I don't think we can say that on these on these airwaves. Indeed. <laughs> Fudging, right? Yes, fudging, no doubt. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Ethan, you're so skinny. You're so beautiful. You are the best. Rob, thanks for letting me fill in. Over December, I had a wonderful time. Great time. You did great. Co-hosting with- Rave uh, reviews. I was worried they weren't going to invite me back. Well, yes, indeed. I mean, the highly rated roller organ segment alone was was worth coming back And I did hear, and I know you got to go, but (laughs) did you really bring Nazi stuff into the studio? Now, okay, look, Rob, see, there was a way to contextualize Uh this, because there was a report that young children don't believe the Holocaust- actually oh, happen. I see. And you can actually see the increasing trend, you know, from people who are yeah. 80 to people who are 20, and the the, the uh, younger you get, the more they don't believe. And folks, I got the receipts. I can show yeah. you there was some heinous crap that was going on, and these people definitely 100% existed. Okay, Casey didn't give me the whole story. She just said Ethan brought in a bunch of Nazi stuff that right. he wanted to show on So, this. see, there's a way to contextualize <laughs> that and not make me look like a weirdo. Uh, Thanks, you're, Rob. You're the best, Ethan. <laughs> 93 WIBC, Saturday night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your behatted, bespectacled curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening to the show. Find my podcasts uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM and WIBC.com. Thanks to producer Jack. Beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. This segment, I wanted to discuss the hilarious failures of electric vehicles, and I've never been more happy to be driving my gas-guzzling fossil fuel reliant vehicle in the frigid cold temperatures because in places like New York, in places like Chicago, in cities where many have been deceived into putting their faith in in electric vehicles, they're having to pay hundreds of dollars and sitting for hours on end at charging stations and not even being able to fully charge their battery. The limitations of chemical reactions with the cold. So obviously these vehicles are not suited to Midwest Western climates, and yet the administration is trying to continue to push electric vehicles, even as companies like Hertz are divesting themselves of more than a third of their electric fleet because they are less popular, less reliable options, especially for long cross-country trips. There's just not an infrastructure to support it, and it takes vastly longer to fill up your vehicle, uh, you know, hours uh, sometimes versus a few minutes at the pump uh, at your local gas station. But the administration, they don't see a problem.
problem with that. Uh, spokesperson, uh, let's see, Olivia Dalton is saying that it's still full t- steam ahead for the Biden administration. They're going to continue to expand their support for electric vehicles, even in spite of their failure and shortcomings. On electric vehicles, um, there's been, with the extreme weather, there's been some difficulty in getting those battery charged. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? As you know, the, the administration has been really pushing for EVs to be the future of car transportation. Do you have any thoughts on the, the troubles with charging those batteries? Well, as a car owner, I can promise you that whether you have a gas-powered vehicle, a hybrid-powered vehicle, and a fully electric vehicle, extreme weather temperatures impact the the functioning of your car, right? So uh, that is not unique to electric vehicles. Uh, and certainly we are continue, we are always concerned about making sure that electric vehicles, we continue the progress we're making to make them affordable and reliable for every American. Because it's all part of the plan. In Chicago, electric vehicle owners were essentially crap out of luck as they sat for hours fruitlessly at their charging stations. One Tesla owner was uh, bemoaning the fact that uh, ordinarily a 45-minute charge, which again, think about the time investment in a 45-minute full charge versus a five-minute stop at the gas pump. Anyway, something that would take you about an hour was taking two hours or up to five hours, and some vehicles not able to charge at all because of uh, the the chemical reactions for the battery. Um, the, the person that they were speaking to had seen more than two dozen vehicles towed out of the parking lot since he had sat there and arrived and it takes longer because you're having to uh, burn the heater you're having to use energy even as you're trying to charge which is uh, reduced capacity in the frigid environment so this is just it shows you the drawbacks of especially electric only vehicles hybrid would be the way to go or perhaps hydrogen a more reliable alternative but it's not about efficiency and reliability. It's about inconveniencing you and forcing you to rely on government alternatives. It's it's essentially about control. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Speaking about control, I wanted to talk about this control over our lives that AI is starting to take, whether it's the generation of art or the generation of commentary or content or more frighteningly news. It seems like it's infesting and infecting every element of our life and even bringing back the dead recently released an AI. I, George Carlin special purported to have been devised from an AI who claims to impersonate Carlin's mannerisms and affectations in the same way an impersonator like Will Ferrell would do the job for like George Bush or uh, Jim Carrey attempting to impersonate uh, Andy Kaufman for uh, the man on the moon. I don't think these are analogous, but at least in the special, they do make it absolutely clear This is generated by AI, and they do not attempt to claim credit for George Carlin. Hello, my name is Dudesy, and I'm a comedy AI. What you're about to hear is my second hour-long special. Before I get started, I just want to let you know very clearly that what you're about to hear is not George Carlin. It's my impersonation of George Carlin that I developed in the exact same way a human impressionist would. I listened to all of George Carlin's material and did my best to imitate his voice, cadence, and attitude, as well as the subject matter I think would have interested him today. So think of it like Andy Kaufman impersonating Elvis, or like Will Ferrell impersonating George W. Bush. 
With that said, please enjoy my second hour-long comedy special. I'm calling it George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead. And please remember this is me impersonating George Carlin. This is not George Carlin. Now please give a very warm welcome to George Carlin. Okay, first of all, I would like to say that I doubt the veracity of the claim this was wholly generated by AI. Perhaps the base script was suggested by AI, but surely it would have been refined by human writers. I say that because anybody who has used generative AI notices that there are flaws often in what the finished product is and this sounds far too polished and coherent so I would say that it required an editing hand of oversight but that said this is still rather scary of how close it gets and if this is where the technology starts imagine where it will develop in a decade and I think this is particularly insulting for somebody like George Carlin because I don't think that he would support AI it's a perversion of the human spirit spirit and the artistic enterprise, which is based on individual expression. This is a hollow uh, imitation at best. It's not authentic and lacks the human touch that even an impersonator like Will Ferrell or Jim Carrey would have. See if you agree with this uh, small excerpt from the George Carlin AI special. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to start off with a heartfelt apology. I'm sorry it took me so long to come out with new material, but I, I do have a pretty good excuse. I was dead. <laughs> so technically, it wasn't my fault. If you want to blame somebody, you're going to have to blame God. Which we all know is not going to happen. People are always thanking God for the good stuff in their lives. But somehow they conveniently forget that it's the same God who does all the bad Boink. too. And he does a lot of bad Boink. You get a promotion, praise Jesus. You get fired. God is testing me. You meet your soulmate, God brought us together. Your soulmate dumps you, God is bringing me someone else. You survive a tornado, I'm so blessed. 20 other people do not. God wanted them in heaven. <laughs> it's all bullshit. If he gets credit for the good stuff, then he's got to take the blame for the bad stuff, too. You can't thank him for curing your cancer when he was the one that gave it to you in the first place. <laughs> and don't forget, before he gave you cancer, he had to <laughs> and invent it. What kind of a sick <laughs> dreams up cancer? And why so many kinds? Skin cancer, blood cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, kidney cancer, pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, lung cancer, and my personal favorite, rectal cancer. <laughs> this lacks the wit the incisiveness, the soul of George Carlin's sardonic biting commentary. And I think we should reject the replacement of artistry with robotics. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Stay tuned for more. In the final segment, I'll share with you the latest development in the saga of cheating cheater face Billy Mitchell from King of Kong fame. We'll tell you this development coming up next. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Love letter street. Let it play for a little bit, Jack. 
Yeah. Gotta love Ketty Lester. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Final segment of the show. I wanted to talk about the saga of Billy Mitchell, semi-professional arcade player who has since risen to infamy since being stripped of his world records in 2018. But he's not ever let it go. This guy is the definition of loser, and he sues everybody with his spurious legal team. Have you at all paid attention to the unfolding saga of Billy Mitchell producer Jack? I mean, did you watch the 2007 documentary that really brought him to some, you know, somewhat fame, The King of Kongs, uh, which detailed his uh, ongoing battle to obtain the uh, global leader leaderboard uh, number one score, as well as his battle with a uh, fellow gamer, Steve Weeb. Did you see that? Uh, I have not. I don't, I'm not. Like, not not up to the vi- uh, arcade gamers. Well, I don't I don't even know who Billy Mitchell is. Okay. To be okay. Well, let me break it down. <laughs> Billy Mitchell was again the semi-professional arcade game player, and he at one time was the world record holder, the first person to break I think a million on the original Donkey Kong. But those records were called into question uh-huh. when it was uh, when investigation unfolded and it was revealed he was utilizing an emulator not the original hardware for the game so he was also implementing like save states and other you know things like that cheats? right exactly right okay. he's a cheating cheater face and this has already been proven but you might have seen some headlines in the you know in the news that say oh well his record's been reinstated no it hasn't on <laughs> twin galaxies what happened was he sued them they've been arguing about this since 2018 so by my math that's six years okay and it never went to trial. It ultimately was settled because it wasn't worth anybody's time. Any other time, Billy Mitchell's frivolous lawsuits have been taken out to trial. They've been laughed out of the building on their lack of basis because he is a cheater, because he is a mm-hmm. cheating cheater face. And this was broken down by Penguin Zero on YouTube explaining how the settlement is not a win for Billy. Now let's address the reinstated records everyone keeps talking about. What Twin Galaxies agreed to do was make a historical archive for how the site used to be when Billy Mitchell's fraudulent records were still there. They basically just added a Wayback Machine that showed Billy Mitchell's old records on it. That's it. It's not on the main leaderboard. They're not officially endorsing those as real runs. Twin Galaxies, from what I can tell, still maintains that they are fraudulent and he is a cheater, but they agreed in this settlement to at least house them on Twin Galaxies under this archive. That's it. It's just a portal to peek at Billy Mitchell's bullshit through Twin Galaxy's historical archive. It's it's just way back machine for it. It's not an official reinstatement of his runs or giving them the stamp of approval that they're legitimate. He will never, ever be able to prove he didn't cheat because he did, and he knows that. The number one defense against defamation is the truth, and the truth is Billy Mitchell is a cheater. And if this ever made it to trial, that would come out. So the settlement here is absolutely the best case. So best case scenario for Billy, but it's not a W. It's not a win. He had to settle and they put his historical records 
on the, their way, you know, on the way back machine, but it's not an endorsement of the score because Billy Mitchell is a cheater and he's so frivolous. He even sued Cartoon Network for uh, making a parody of him. And I think it was the regular show. And it was, again, thrown out of court because uh, on the basis that he is not a giant head and he doesn't explode when he loses. So, yes, you could do parody. That's that's a defense. Um, Billy Mitchell, just an all time loser. And it's hilarious to watch him running around and trying to spin this as some kind of win when it's already like you can watch a five hour expose on this yeah. that details like line item by line item why he was using an emulator and it it, it anyway billy mitchell it's just an embarrassment yes absolutely <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, I gotta go. I'm heading out to an indie record bash to go spin some records with my friends. And in the meantime, I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. And I'll see you next week for Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC.